the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I want to read starting in verse number 7 this morning. And Pastor Debbie mentioned that there's a few things if I wanted to cover, I could cover any of them. And I, I just chose, I'm going to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. You know, this is the devil's favorite one, uh, to lie to people and tell them they have to stay sick. But I'm going to take it and throw, you know, tear it apart, shove it back in the devil's face, make him eat it. <laughs> because it's a big fat lie. It's one of the biggest ones. This is one of his favorite ones. You can travel all over the world. And anywhere back in the bush in Africa, you know, back in, way back in in Asia, wherever you want to go, Australia, you start preaching healing and somebody will say, yeah, but what about Paul's thorn? The devil made sure that message got all over the world. They heard about Paul's thorn and Job's boils, but they haven't heard about Jesus' stripes. (laughs) So we're going to tear this thing apart this morning. It's just a big fat lie. It's the devil's favorite one. It's one of the main objections people have to the subject of divine healing and that healing is for all. And thousands and hundreds of thousands of people needlessly suffer because they believe that they're pleasing God because of Paul's thorn in the, you know, they have a thorn in their flesh like Paul had in his flesh. But let's look at what Paul actually said. We're going to ask three big questions this morning. And we're going to answer them from the Word, not with ideas of man, but from the Word. All right? All right, let's start reading in verse number 7 in 2 Corinthians 12. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me, or given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. So Paul's mentioning here what he, he says he had a thorn in the flesh. He said, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. Um, so we're going to look at this this morning. This is the one that a lot of people get off on. You preach divine healing and they'll say, yeah, but Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And then they'll tell you what that thorn was. They'll say, well, it, you know, and there's a lot of opinions about what it was. They'll say everything from it was a oriental eye disease. Um, called ophthalmia, they call it, I think, if I'm pronouncing it right, ophthalmia. And he had unspeakable, these, I'm quoting a particular writer, he wrote, he had unspeakable pus flowing down his face because of the eye disease, this disease called ophthalmia. And so that's what some people say it is, or was, thorn in the flesh. Then others say he had an unconverted wife. And she was the thorn in his flesh. Now, I'm talking about people, what people actually say. I'm not making this up. People actually say this stuff. An unconverted wife who harassed him and so forth and so on. Well, Paul refuted that one. uh, And we'll see he refuted both of these. But that one about an unconverted wife, he refuted that. And he said he had the gift of celibacy. He wasn't even married. 
So, you know, you have to get desperate to say some things. You have to just not know your Bible. So it just doesn't seem reasonable, though, to go into everybody's speculation and ideas about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was because they're all man-made ideas. They're all their supposition. And they actually, if they just read this scripture, they'd actually get their answer for what Paul was talking about. So let's just read the scripture and see what he says. First of all, what was Paul's thorn in his flesh or thorn in the flesh? Um, Was it in his flesh? He said here, notice verse 7, Lest I be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. So he describes what that thorn was. That's what he called a thorn in the flesh. He said it was the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Amen. Well, first of all, buffet means blow after blow. You can look it up. It means to pummel, you know, like a boxer might pummel somebody. Um, it's used in the Bible to describe waves hitting a ship, you know, buffeting the ship. And then it's used in the Bible to talk about whenever they beat Christ, whenever he was crucified. That's a blow after blow kind of thing. And so that's what the word buffet means. And if you're going to use it here, which Paul did, then it has to mean, have something like that. It has to mean something just happened over and over and over again, time and again, time and again, time and again. And that really doesn't sound like disease, if you think about it. It doesn't quite fit the uh, description Paul gave here to have a disease that was just constantly there. I mean, you know, he's talking about something that would hit, and then it wouldn't be there, and then it would hit again, and then it would hit again. So he's talking about something he called the buffeting. He called it the messenger of Satan. Amen. Now, the thorn in the flesh is here called the messenger of Satan. Paul mentioned that. And the word messenger is in the New Testament about 188 times. I counted 179, I saw somebody else said 181, but it's somewhere in there. Of those times, it's referring to an angel. I'm talking about an angel of God. Uh, or excuse me let, me, let me say it this way, the word, it's translated angel. That's the way it's translated uh, in most cases, 181, let's just say 179 or 81 of those times. Out of 188 times in the New Testament, it's translated angel. And then the last eight or so, depending on how you count, that's translated, it's translated here like it's translated here, messenger. But in every case, if you read every case, not one time does it refer to disease. Never, ever. This is the only place that people say it does, but Paul didn't say it was a disease. He said it was the messenger of Satan. Now, you remember the Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So when the Bible uses the word angel, it doesn't always mean an angel of God. Sometimes it'll mean Satan's angels. You know, some, it's, it's probably true that some of the angels fell with Satan. The Bible talks about one-third, over in the book of Revelation, one-third fell with him. Those fallen angels, we don't call them angels today, we call them demons. You know, they're now fallen. They're, Satan actually was a created angel. And he fell, and he took the, angel, the, the, the angels that were under him, most believe, with him whenever he fell. According to Revelation, it's over there where he fell and took one-third of the angels. Then, so we know then that when, when the Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, we know then that the word angel is even used to talk about demons. Isn't that right? 
So the messenger, the word messenger, which is translated angel, doesn't always mean an angel of God. In fact, I found three times, listen very carefully to me. Listen, if you, I'm not going to say everything that, I, that needs to be said about this, what I'm getting ready to say. But if you listen carefully, it'll solve something for you. Amen. What's it supposed to solve? Well, you figure it out. But three times in the Bible, the word angel, or translated messenger sometimes, is used for talking about men, human beings. Human beings. Three times, that I found, at least three times. It's talking about human beings. Now, I've had ministers say, well, it's never used to, tra- to talk about men, but it is. Just keep that in your, in your spiritual arsenal because there'll come a time you'll need that. Just, just listen to me. You might, what, what are you talking about? Just listen to me. Just, just pay attention. Put up your spiritual antenna and wake up this morning. <laughs> three times it's talking about angels. I mean, excuse me, it's talking about men that we know of. But most of the time it's talking about angels. Now, here's the point. When it talks about, when this word messenger or translated angels, it's the word, Greek word angelos. You can see easily that it's talking about angels. It refers to uh, angels of God. It refers to demons. Or it refers, in a couple of cases, or a few cases, it refers to human beings. Now, that doesn't mean humans ever become angels or angels ever become humans. You understand? I'm not talking to them. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that it can just simply mean a human messenger somebody sent. Like, go, go take that message over there for me. You know, I'm talking about a human being, you know. So, uh, you know, whenever somebody dies, they don't become an angel or anything like that. That's not what, that's not what the Bible preaches. But, but what I am saying is that it's used to describe angels of God, angels or fallen angels, demons of Satan, or it's used to talk about human beings. So in every single case, and never is there an exception, it's talking about a person or a personality, a created being of some kind. Never talking about disease in the Bible. Amen? So what are we saying then? When he says the word angel here, he's talking about Satan sent a demon to buffet him blow after blow wherever he went. Amen? Y'all there? You're going home. Now, first of all, we're asking the question, what was Paul's thorn? Paul's thorn in the flesh was a demon. You understand that? This is not God following him around blow after blow. Uh, and a demon was stirring up, and we'll look through this as, as we go this morning, but a demon was stirring up persecution everywhere Paul went. Yeah. And we're going to read case after case. I won't take time to give you all the, you know, we won't turn to all of them, but case after case where everywhere Paul went, exactly what Jesus said from the beginning would happen to him, happened to him. Remember whenever he was saved, Ananias went in and said, or the Lord said, Ananias said, you know, go uh, lay your hands on him and he might receive his sight. And uh, then uh, he's a chosen vessel unto me and bear my name before kings and Gentiles and so forth. And I want you to tell him how many things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Isn't that right? And we're going to look at some of those this morning, and you're going to see everywhere Paul went. I mean, it was exactly like he described here in this passage, blow after blow after blow after blow. Everywhere he went, he was persecuted, left for dead, stoned, tried to, you know, amen. We're going to look at that this morning. We could actually take the whole class and just look at all those passages, and we wouldn't get it done in 45 minutes. It's amazing the things that came against Paul. Now, nothing but an evil spirit could stir that kind of stuff up. Human beings can't even keep consistent like that. <laughs> Amen. So we see the word buffeting here. 
Amen. So Paul received this, this messenger or this angel of Satan. The angel was not on the inside of him. Amen. It was something on the outside. It was a being, not a disease. Amen. So it was buffeted continually uh, everywhere he went. Now, it was never translated sickness, like I said. Paul describes this in his ministry. And uh, let's just look at a couple of things that, uh, that uh, happened to him, or a few things here. We'll give you maybe 15 different cases real quickly. Get your pen out if you want to write the references down, because I don't have time to go to all of them. And then we'll give you about 15 different cases, and then we'll give you uh, two or three references that he described what happened all the time. Y'all ready? So like I said in Acts 9, 16, Jesus said to Ananias, go tell him great things he'll suffer. Now here's some of the things he suffered. First one, Acts 9, 23. Real quickly, if you're writing down, Acts 9, 23. Jews determined to kill Paul right after he was converted. Acts 9, 23. Then in Acts 9, 26 through 29, he was hindered in joining the Christians. Acts 9, 26 through 29. Get get your pen out if you're going to write because I'm not slowing down. Acts 13, 6 through 12. He was opposed by Satan. He said so. Acts 13, 6 through 12. Then in Acts 13, 44 through 49, he was opposed by the Jews in a mob. Acts 13, 44 through, 30, uh, through 49. Then Acts 13 and 50, he was expelled out of Antioch in Pisidia for preaching the gospel. Acts 13, 50. Then in Acts 14, 1 through 5, he was mobbed and expelled from Iconium. <laughs> Acts 14, 1 through 5. Then in Acts 14, 6 through 9, he fled to Lystra and Derby, where he was stoned and left for dead. Acts 14, 6 through 19, excuse me. Then in Acts 19, verse 8, he was disputing continually with false brethren. Amen. Amen. Acts 19, verse 8. Then in Acts 16, 12 through 40, he was beaten and jailed at Philippi. Acts 16, 12 through 40, beaten and jailed at Philippi. Then in Acts 17, 1 through 10, he was mobbed and expelled from Thessalonica. Acts 17, 1 through 10. Then Acts 17, 10 through 14, he was mobbed and expelled from Berea. I mean, dear Lord, <laughs> this is, what a life. They'd make a TV show out of him today. That's Acts 17, 10 through 14, mobbed and expelled from Berea. Then in Acts 18, 1 through 23, he was mobbed at Corinth. That's Acts 18, 1 through 23. Acts 19, 23 through 31, he was mobbed at Ephesus. See, you're going to use some of this on some of your relatives that have thorn in the flesh, you know. Oh, this is my suffering. No, you're going to get out the Bible and say, no, you need to read your Bible. Amen. He was mobbed at Ephesus, Acts 19, 23 through 31. Then in Acts 20, verse number 3, there was a plot against his life by the Jews. That's Acts 20, verse number 3. And uh, he was also seized by the Jews, mobbed and tried five times and suffered other hardships. You know, he went on trial and he was on trial all the way to Rome, you know. (laughs) He was seized in Jerusalem by the Jews. And then when you can read that at the end of the book of uh, Acts. He was tried five times and suffered other hardships. Then in the uh, chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, Paul lists some of the buffetings that happened. Or excuse me, let's see here. In Acts, let's let's get to the, I'm getting the right reference here. Paul lists other buffetings in the 6th chapter, and he lists them as stripes, imprisonments, 
Tumults, stripes means, you know, being whipped. That's what that's talking about. Tumults, that's talking about mobs. We just gave you some of those references. Uh, Imprisonments, you can, you know, some of those. Uh, Dishonor, he describes in the sixth chapter of 2 Corinthians. Evil report, in other words, being told lies against. Deceivers, he said we were dying. Uh, He said uh, we were as dying and behold we live. As chastised and not killed. Everywhere he went. In the 11th chapter, he mentions stripes above measure. In prisons often. In prisons more frequent. In deaths often. That's in First, uh, first Corinthians 11, or excuse me, Second Corinthians 11, verse number 23. In prisons often. Now, look at, listen to this in verse 24 through 27. Like I said, this is in... Uh, First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 27. He said, Of the Jews, five times received I 39 stripes. Now, it was illegal to beat somebody 40 times or, because that was considered, uh, un, you couldn't live through 40 stripes. That was considered killing somebody. So they just stopped short one. You know, it's 39 times. Isn't that nice? They were so nice. Five times received I 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day in the deep. In perils in waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. And you're complaining about a hag now? In weariness, that means tired. (laughs) In painfulness, I mean sore muscles and stuff like that. In hunger, in thirst. I mean, if you're getting beaten with rods and beaten with stripes, that's pain. Hello? In painfulness, in hunger, in thirst, in cold, in nakedness. Anybody want to be an apostle? (laughs) Now listen to this, in case you didn't thought that was enough. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, Paul said this. Being reviled, this is what happened to him. He was reviled, persecuted, defamed, made as the filth of the world, and the offscouring of all things to this day. In other words, that's the way he was treated everywhere he went. Hallelujah, we got pretty good. Now, that's what Jesus told him ahead of time. He was going to be persecuted for his namesake. He said, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, you're going to be greatly, you're going to suffer a lot of things for my namesake. And most of this, you read it carefully, most of it was because of the Jews. Because Paul had been a Jew, and now he's preaching the gospel and that the law has been done away with in Christ. And boy, did they get mad at that. They hated him for that. Amen. So what could be responsible? Well, I mean, what group of people all across everywhere he went that didn't have the kind of communication like we have today. What group of people could, could, you know, stay together that much and stay so consistent unless it was an evil spirit behind them? You understand? They couldn't email or phone over and say, hey, Paul's coming over there. They couldn't do that. In fact, you read that one place, I think it's in Rome, but he got there and he said, well, have you heard about all my trouble? And he said, no, he didn't hear about it. In other words, so the Jews weren't getting the message out, but everywhere he went, pow, 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 pow. So there was a demon stirring up Jews everywhere he went. I mean, there were people that, put, that swore an oath, I will not eat again until Paul is dead. 
you know. All kinds of things happening. Hallelujah. And, and somebody ta- talks bad about you and you go cry and say, God, it's terrible. How, how I must suffer for you. <laughs> Amen. So um, in enumerating all these things, listen closely. In enumerating all these things, it's amazing that Paul lists just about everything else you can think about besides sickness and disease. Whenever he lists all the things he went through. And yet religion has, uh, has lied and made this thorn in the flesh to be a sickness and disease whenever Paul listed about everything else besides that. You have to have help to be that stupid. Not mad at anybody. I'm just getting irritated at the devil. The lies of the devil. Amen. He listens almost everything except eye disease. Amen. So there's no need to substitute here eye disease or some kind of pain or thorn in the flesh which Paul doesn't even mention for all the things that he does mention. Why don't we just say, well, this is what he mentioned. It must be the same thing. Am I in the right room this morning? So too often when people discuss this, they come up with their own ideas of what they think, that, what it seems to be, you know, an unconverted wife or, or an unspeakable disease of pus running down his face. You know, it's amazing that Paul would preach the gospel with unspeakable pus running down his face and people would get faith to be healed. Isn't that amazing? At Lystra there, he preached the gospel with unspeakable pus running down his face. And the same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding and perceiving that he had faith to be healed said, stand up right on thy feet. He leaped and walked. He saw that man had faith to be healed. And he got faith to be healed by a guy that had unspeakable pus running down his face. Amen. <laughs> Y'all there? You're going home. And Paul got to the island of Melita. And, you know, they had shipwrecked there, you know. And they're on the island. And then the people showed him kindness and built a fire and helped him out and warmed him up. And then, you know, this man sought to turn the deputy away from the faith. And there was judgment fell on him. And then all the people, all the sick on the island came and were healed by a man who had unspeakable pus running down his face. Well, he'd see him, pray for me, pray for me. Dear God. Paul said in Romans, he said, I come to you in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. In other words, I come to you with all the blessings in my life that the gospel I'm preaching to you gave, gave you. But it's in my life. I came in the full. In other words, he knew what the blessing included. It included divine healing. He knew that. He's the one that preached divine healing. Amen. 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 So that's what, that's what we read from the Bible. Now, before we go any further in that, um, you know, let me give you some, uh, some references that use this term in the other places in the Bible where it uses this term, term thorn in the flesh. Would you like to hear it? In fact, we need to go to these. Go to Numbers 33. Go to Numbers 33. We don't have a lot of time in this class, so we're just going to keep moving really quick. I'm going to read Numbers 33, verse number 55, and, uh, and uh, you'll understand easily what this term means in the Bible. You know, Paul had read his Old Testament, you know. He was a Jew, so he knew his Old Testament. Sorry, folks, today haven't read their Old Testament, and they make up what Paul meant when he said thorn in the flesh. But Paul had read his Old Testament, and he read what the Bible had said about the term thorn in the flesh. He used the same term knowing exactly what it meant. People today use it and don't know what he meant because they don't read their, their Old Testament. 
Numbers 33, 55. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you, which you, shall let, which you let remain, of them, shall, of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. In other words, these are human beings. These are Canaanites. Isn't that right? He said they're going to be a thorn in your side and pricks in your in your. Well, let's see here. Thorn in your uh, uh, pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side. Isn't that right? In other words, they'd be an annoyance. If you don't drive them out, they're going to be an annoyance to you. And he's not talking about a disease here, is he? Now go to Joshua twenty-three. Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then Joshua. Joshua, the 23rd chapter. Just not one time or two times. This is in the Old Testament a few times. This term. Joshua 23, we're going to read verse number 13. He said, Know for a certainty, ter- certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but, you sh- but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides. Now, if you look up earlier... In this chapter, he's telling why he won't drive them out any further. Because they were, uh, they were disobedient. So there'll be uh, snares and traps unto you and scourges in your side and thorns in your eyes. Until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. Now notice he uses that term, but he's talking about people whenever he says they will be. Human beings will be. Thorns, let's see here, scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes. So he's talking about an irritant. You ever gotten a thorn on your finger or, you know, a splinter or something like that? I mean, it's just an irritating thing, just, just an irritant. Now go over to Judges, the second chapter. You're in Joshua, just turn over a few pages. Judges, the second chapter. Look at verse number 3. Judges, the second chapter in verse number 3. Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. Now, um, so you can see the way this is used in the New Testament. Now, there's another passage, and I didn't write it down. I thought I had it written down here. David used the same term. That's in the Psalms. I forget where it is now. I didn't write it down. But then there's another one in Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse number 24. So at least five times in the Old Testament, he uses this term where he said thorns in your eyes and pricks in your sides or something like that. And in every case, you can look up Ezekiel if you want to later. Look up the one in, in Psalm. I'm, I, I thought I wrote the one in Psalms down. I don't know where I put it. But, but five times that I have record of in the Old Testament, he used this term thorn in your side or in your eye or pricks. You know, that'd be the same thing. And so, and every single time, he's talking about Canaanites or heathen people being an irritant to you if you don't drive them out. Isn't that right? He's not talking about disease in any single case. Now, Paul read his Old Testament, and he knew what the Old Testament, he knew the Old Testament. He knew that term. Amen. It's not a disease in any case. Amen. Now, the Rotherham says over there in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, whenever it says the messenger of Satan, it, it uses the, the pronoun he, the Rotherham translation does. 
And the Weymouth translation says, as for this, three times I besought the Lord to rid me of him. And some translations will use personal pronouns to describe this thorn in the flesh. Well, you don't use that of disease, do you? If I said if somebody has cancer, you know, how's it going? Uh, how's the cancer? You know, what's going on with the cancer? Nobody would say, well, you know, him's getting worse. Or he's getting worse. We don't use personal pronouns to talk about diseases. Isn't that right? But uh, some of these other translations, they'll use personal pronouns here. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, well, you, you, might be, uh, you might be wrong about that thorn in the flesh thing then. Now, notice all these terms. Every single time when it talks about these personalities, it's talking about something that was outside of the body. It was never something sticking in their bodies. Uh, the Old Testament was not talking about when it said the Canaanites will be pricks in your eyes. He was not talking about a literal Canaanite sticking in your eye. Think about it. We use terms, we use figures of speech today that we don't actually mean what we say. You ever said to somebody, that person's a pain in the neck. What well, does that mean they're sticking in your neck? Huh? That's all Paul's using. Is a, is a, and all these terms mean, you know, thorns in your eyes, pricks in your sides. He's not talking about a literal person sticking in your eye or in your side. Amen. He's talking about figure of speech. Just an irritant. Just like a thorn would be. I mean, you get a thorn in your... You ever got one under your fingernail? Ouch, man. You can't, and you can't get that thing out? Just an irritant. You can't do anything. It's irritating you all the time. Well, and that's what he's talking about. And we use terms like that. We use terms like it's raining cats and dogs and, and things like that, don't we? I mean, we don't literally mean little poodles are falling out of the sky and German shepherds are falling out of the sky and Siamese cats are falling out of the sky. And... <laughs> Amen. Paul said what it was. It was a messenger of Satan. And the word messenger always refers to a, a being, not, not a disease, a being. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is pretty good. Now, the Bible tells us they that, are, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, doesn't it? That's what the Bible tells us. But he never said they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer sickness and disease. I think we need to, uh, you know, just look at what the Bible actually says. We have grace to stand in the midst of sick, I mean, in the midst of persecution, and God will get us on the other side of that. But the Bible doesn't promise us we won't have any. But the Bible did say when it comes to disease, He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we don't have to, you know, you know have grace to walk through that and overcome that. We have the redemptive rights to, to be healed of that. Amen. So Paul got that expression from the Old Testament, and that's what we need to understand about it. Amen. So uh, whenever Paul lists all these things, go back there to now to uh, for 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. When he lists all those things and all those references that I gave you of all the persecution that happened and all of that, um, he lists, like I said, almost it seemed like everything you could think of besides sickness and disease. And yet religion grabs onto that one. Religious tradition seizes upon the one thing Paul did not say that he ever experienced. And says that was his, religion says that was his thorn in the flesh. Amen. 
I think, I think people, you have to have demonic help to even talk about the sickness and disease being Paul's thorn in the flesh. The very people that are, amen, they're the ones that are our, pick, our thorns in our sides. It's amazing today, the Bible talks about faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, but not in most churches today. Unbelief comes by hearing. Because all they're hearing is, well, you know, God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh, and, and this is your thorn in the flesh to bear, and, you know, because of the abundance of revelation... Dear God, that just disqualifies most people in America today from having one because Paul said his was in regards to the abundance of revelation. That automatically disqualifies most people from having one. (laughs) Amen. I think we ought to just shuck the corn on this. And why I want you to go over here to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 again is because notice what Paul said. Let's just suppose for a second that it was a a sickness or disease. And let's follow this through here. And those that say it was ought to at least, if they're going to have this sickness and disease, they ought to at least treat it like Paul did if it was a sickness or disease. So let's see what Paul said about it. Um, He said here, uh, there was given to me, uh, lest I be exalted above measure, verse 7, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, thrice or three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Now, they, they jump on that word infirmities and say, well, see there, that's talking about sickness. Well, the word infirmities is used more often in the New Testament. And I went over this on a Wednesday night recently. More often in the New Testament, talk about inability to produce results in some area of your life than it does anything about sickness or disease. So you have to look at the context to see which one he's talking about. But notice here, if, if these who are saying that, you know, so-and-so's disease is their thorn in the flesh, then they ought to at least treat it like Paul decided to treat this. Notice what he did. He said, most gladly, therefore, in verse 9, I will rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If they are being uh, given a thorn in the flesh, and, of course, they're always saying that God's the one that gave it. Well, it's the messenger of Satan, first of all. If it was God, why did it say it's, it's of Satan? messenger of Satan. But anyway, let's suppose they were right for a second. This is of God. This is the disease. It's your thorn in the flesh. It's your cross to bear, so to speak, in life. And so you must have some disease to suffer for his namesake. And so therefore, because of all of that, um, you should do like Paul. Well, what did Paul do? He said, I glory in my infirmity. All right. So those who get those diseases, they should not go to the doctor. They should not try to get healed from it. They should refuse to take medicine and really suffer. (coughs) And certainly refuse to have the doctor cut that thorn out. And not be a hypocrite. Not try to get rid of what God gave you. Am I in the right room? They ought to be uh, uh, for real. If they believe that, they ought to be for real and not try to get healed. I insist you don't take that baby to the doctor and get that baby healed. No, that's stupid. Isn't that stupid? They're not re- they don't really believe that. They ought to live what they preach if they believe that. 
What right do they have? If Paul gloried in his, what right do they have to glory in trying to get healed? I think maybe some people haven't thought about it too much. That's the truth about most people in the United States church. They're about an, a, an inch deep and five miles wide spiritually. Amen. Now go over here to Galatians, the fourth chapter, and let's look at something. This is where people get this idea that he had this, this eye disease. Y'all, I don't know if you've ever read this passage here, but we'll look in Galatians, the fourth chapter. We'll start reading in verse number 13. Galatians 4, 13. You know how through the infirmity of the flesh. Now notice here, Paul is talking about something in the flesh. An infirmity of the flesh. I preach the gospel unto you at the first. Notice that, at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh. So there was something going on in his flesh here. You despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you speak of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore being, uh, become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So Paul read, uh, people read this and they think here, well, this is Paul talking about some uh, temptation in his flesh. He says they, they would have plucked out their own eyes whenever he got there if they could have. Now, first of all, it doesn't say it was a disease. Paul didn't mention any disease. He just used this term, you would have plucked out your own eyes. Now, notice here, people say, well, this was Paul describing the disease he had, and it was an incurable thing because it was ophthalmia, if I'm pronouncing it right, and that was incurable, and he had this all his life. Well, if that's true, then why, then why did Paul, in verse 13, he says, you know, through the infirmity of the flesh, I preach the gospel unto you at the first. In other words, just the first time I was there, not forever and ever. Get up, get up. I got to say that again. Some of you missed it. He said it was just the first time I was there, not forever. I preached the gospel there at the first. Hello. What does that mean? Not forever and ever. If I just said the first time I preached here, I, I was dealing with something in my body. Hello. But that's not, you know, that doesn't mean that he didn't get healed because he just said it was just there the first time. But the fact is, it doesn't say it was a disease here. And I don't think we should add anything to it. He said here, they would have, look at verse 15. Where is then the blessedness you speak of? For I bear record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. He's talking about the blessedness. In other words, he's talking about their care for him, the affection they had for him and so forth, to, to take care of him. Well... You ever, you ever use the term today, you know, that, that person is so faithful, they'd give their right arm for me or something like that. Now, if I said that, that uh, somebody here in the church was so faithful to the church, they just give, they would give their, it seems like they would give their right arm for the ministry of the church here. Does that, is that implying that their right arm has a disease? Huh? Well, then, case closed. Hello? 
That is no implication that that person has a diseased right arm. In fact, that would actually mean the opposite. Because if they were going to give their diseased right arm, that's not much affection at all. Amen. So, hello. I mean, just think a little bit and think deeper than an inch. Besides all that, most theologians agree with the fact that what he's talking about when he says infirmity of the flesh is that he had just come from the beating and at Lystra and being left for dead. Well, I mean, if you had just come from being beaten to almost dead, you'd probably say, <laughs> people probably look at you and say, man, he's, he's beat up. Look at him. He's not doing so hot today. So don't add something to the scriptures that are not there. You have to be careful about just believing everything that somebody says just because they say that's what that means. Well, let's not add to the Bible. Let's just read what it says and say what it says. And it's a pretty common thing. Theologians believe that that's what he's talking about. Except for these ones that glory in their, their they want to have everybody have thorn in the flesh. Hello? And so, besides all that, why is it then that Paul said to the Corinthian church, if it was this disease that was there all the time, he said to the Corinthian church, because of, you don't discern the Lord's body, many of you are weak and sickly among you and die prematurely. He's getting on to them, isn't he? If, that, if he had a disease, why didn't they write back and say, okay, Paul, why are you sick then? But we don't have any record that they knew he was sick because they don't have any record that he was. Hello. I mean, I'm just kind of putting all the nails in the coffin of this thing. And so Paul preached the word and inspired faith for healing whenever he preached. I just described Lystra where the man was, received faith to be healed, the, the, all the sick on the island of Miletus. And there's just too many indications that the, the idea of Paul's thorn in the flesh being a uh, actual sickness or disease is not the right idea. Now, let's go back and, and pick up something before we close here. I guess we got just another minute or two, a couple minutes here. Let's look, look at this idea here where it says, because of the, we described what the thorn in the flesh was and why it was given unto him. It says here, but I want to finish up on why it was given unto him. It says, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, let's, let's look at that because most people think and say that this exalting here is talking about pride. Lest I be exalted above measure. In other words, lest I get into pride. Yeah. You know, the Bible teaches against pride. So, let's, let's follow that through and see if that's what he's talking about. Lest I be exalted above measure, verse 7 says, through the abundance of the revelation. Yeah. Now, the, the word exalted above measure in the Greek means to lift up, to lift up. Um, and it means not only to lift up, but it means to take above or raise above, to elevate. And it is followed by the Greek word epi, which means on or upon. Lest I be exalted or lifted up or raised up upon the revelation. So notice what is lifting Paul up. It's the revelation. 
It's not Paul exalting himself. That would be pride. It is God. God gave him the revelation. It is God taking him above or uh, higher than the average person through revelation. Y'all see that? So uh, to say Paul was elevating himself would be against the way it's actually stated in the Greek. It is through, or the Greek says upon, or on the revelation. In other words, the revelation started exalting him, lifting him up. Now, some people say, well, it's wrong to be exalted. It can't be God. No, the Bible says that we are not to exalt ourselves, but it says he will exalt us in due time if we're faithful. God's not against exalting. He's actually one that wants to take us above our tests and trials and above all the smog and fog of this demonic inspired world down here. So Paul was saying, lest I be elevated or lifted up because of the or upon the abundance of the revelation. So the revelation was lifting him up. And therefore, that means God was the one that was lifting him up because God was giving him the revelation. Isn't that right? So he was going beyond, like some Greeks help say, beyond the usual mark and above his former position in the trial through the abundance of the revelation. He was taking the gospel further than any man. He was actually, and the, and the revelation that he got was the revelation of being in Christ. So because of that revelation of being in Christ, Paul was going beyond the usual mark and, and being lifted up in the revelation. This is not pride. This is God taking him beyond the usual mark. Amen. So when we know our rights and our privileges in Christ and and our seat in Christ, the authority that is committed to us in Christ, our standing with God in prayer and our ability to ask what we will based on the word and, and it be given unto us, we take an exalted position in this world above the usual walk of others. That is what Satan opposes. Isn't that right? So that revelation and knowledge enables you to walk in a place with God that none other can walk without that revelation. (laughs) It's a place above your former position in your test and trials. Now you're dominating them. Now you're treading on it. Now you're taking advantage of your position in the Spirit seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And you know it. And that's the reason you're taking, uh, taking advantage of that. Amen. So the simple fact is that God gave Paul the revelation and was exalting him. Satan came with a demonic influence to try to stop him and push him back down. Because it said it was a messenger of Satan. Amen. I mean, just read the Bible. And he was trying to stop this revelation. Now, if it was Satan trying to stop him from getting into pride, which it says it was Satan, the messenger of Satan. Satan trying to keep him out of pride, that would be stupid. Because Satan knows that pride was his own downfall. We read that in the book of Ezekiel 28, and we read it in the book of Isaiah 14, I believe it is. It was his own downfall, and he knows that pride goes before destruction, and he would want to get Paul into pride, not keep him out of pride. Because he would know that pride goes before destruction. That's the very thing he found out whenever he fell. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Now, so the the, the point I'm trying to make is that Paul was being opposed by Satan because of the revelation. So we don't get confused about it. It's just that simple. Hello? Praise God. Turn turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to exalt you and lift you up. 
and take you beyond the usual mark. Amen. So Satan will oppose that. We know that. That's what Paul was talking about. And he opposed him with all this persecution and all of that. Praise the Lord. Well, did you get anything out of the Word this morning? If you didn't get anything out of the Word, it's your own fault. <laughs> Amen. The Word helps us. I said the Word helps us. Tell your neighbor the Word will set you free. When you know the Word. Praise God. Now take that to some of your, your, your whatever friends and, and relatives or whoever they call themselves. Because it's just the, this is the biggest lie that Satan has ever propagated on the church. That Paul's thorn was a, as a disease. We don't have record of that in the New Testament. Amen? All right. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.